You're listening to Infertility Bites, a podcast about infertility by people that went through infertility. Infertility bites, but it bites a bit less when you're not alone. My name is Casey, and I'm blessed to be joined on this by my co-captain in this journey, my lovely wife, Sarah. Hello. On this series, we talk about our experiences dealing with infertility. It's important to note, however, that we are not doctors or even experts, just people that understand how difficult it can be. Each person's journey is unique, like a fingerprint, so it's best to leave the medicine to the professionals. It's been a while since our last episode. Yeah, it has. Unfortunately, life has a way of upsetting plans. We'd intended to start season two a few months ago, but a family emergency derailed that. We hope to get back to a more regular schedule soon. We are going to start this episode, though, with a content warning. In this episode, we're going to be talking about something that nobody going through infertility wants to think about or talk about, abortion. In the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned, we find ourselves forced into talking about this because, counterintuitively, abortion and the rights to it are not just tied to, but integral to the treatment of infertility. If laws are written to establish personhood of a fertilized egg or an embryo, for example, then discarding that embryo would violate that law. It would be considered homicide. That affects retrieval, implantation, freezing, and even the very nature of IVF fertilization. Every step along the way could be considered harming the egg. Therefore, everyone involved could be considered complicit in a homicide. We... We don't get into this because we want to do abortions. Yeah, no. I don't think anybody wants abortions. I think that's something that's pretty universal. I think everyone would would like for there to be less abortions. The problem is regulating them doesn't stop the abortions. We have to start focusing on the causes of abortions. But that, I digress. The point of this is really more about infertility, right? Every step of the process under personhood laws would be jeopardized by those laws, right? If uh, personhood is established at fertilization, that means that freezing the egg, potentially harmful, therefore illegal, uh, genetic testing the egg, potentially harmful, therefore illegal. Uh, implanting not all of the eggs you retrieve, harmful, oh, yeah. therefore illegal. Um, and it, it goes to every step of it, right? Um, in our process, when we had to go through it, um, and it's been almost five years That's since crazy. we did it. Uh, it was still not easy. The The counterintuitive thing is, for most people, the first step in an infertility treatment is to go on birth control. Well, especially for PCOS. Especially for PCOS, but almost everyone. Yeah. Because when, when doing it, they want to regulate the cycle to the point that they can, they can uh, predict how it's going to react, right? Even if you're just doing IUI, they typically have you do a round of... Uh, birth control to start off so that your cycle gets to be a certain place so that you produce a certain number of eggs right uh and that's threatened by personhood laws that's the next thing that 
that's on the table is restricting birth control. Um, but that's the first step forward. But that's the first step in the treatment, right? Yeah. Um, because most people, that step in treatment is after many, many years of non-treatment, of, of problems and heartache and misery. Yeah. Um, and personhood laws only compound those, right? But once they get to the treatment, right? Then you're you're put in this situation where you have to uh, you have to be prepared to make tough choices. It's a conversation that every doctor has with their IVF patients um, and often IUI patients because by the very nature of us being infertility sufferers, yeah. our diagnosis and our treatment can be more difficult. I right? feel like IUI it would be more. Mm-hmm. Because that was where duplicates were yes, exactly. like, skyrocketed. So, so with IUI, you're artificially stimulating uh, the release of more than one egg, right? Uh, which can lead to multiples. It can lead to genetic disorders because eggs can be released that are not fully mature, right? Um, and those can both be dangerous to the health of the mother... They can be dangerous to the health of one of the the embryos or fetuses, right? They're just, it's, it's dangerous. And so the, one of the first things that they talk about when you go into treatment is that you may have to make a really tough decision at some point. Yeah. We're already high risk. And there may be a cha- choice where you have to choose between the life of one of the multiples in your your or or the life of the woman the mother you know over the 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 fetus the fetus may be incompatible with life it may develop a genetic disorder um that was not shown on screening or if you're an IUI of course you can't do complete screening so there's lots of risks there and the unfortunate thing is the treatment for most of those risks is medically considered an abortion. Yeah. And I got, I'll be honest, I didn't, I wish I could have someone been recording my face when she said that this is something we have to discuss because I never even thought about it. And I mean, it's just, I hope I can reach someone out. So at least you're prepared for that question. Cause you know, this is a very big hot topic, but. I mean, yeah, you have to think about all those things, so it's important. Motherhood is already tough. <laughs> uh, maternal mortality rates are already oh. high in this country, higher than most developed nations. And when you do personhood laws, it only makes that go up. In Italy, they um, did personhood laws, and they did uh, a cutout for IVF, uh, but they had restrictions. They said, you can do IVF, but you can only harvest up to three eggs, and then you have to implant all three of those eggs, and you have to have um, a, a, a note that has to be approved through legal counsel before you can do any genetic testing, because genetic testing is potentially harmful to the egg 
And once you get all of that, then they can do the testing. Even if the testing shows potential genetic abnormalities, they can still force you to carry that that embryo because it's considered a person by that point. And that's part of why it's so tough. And listen, again, I, I don't wish the choice on anyone. And in an ideal world, we wouldn't have that. But in an ideal world, we wouldn't be facing yeah. any of these problems. Yeah, we would have a baby when we wanted one. But maternal mortality is already high. And in IVF and IUI patients, it's already higher. And then you add in restrictions that would stop us from being able to control how and why and how many what gets implanted it makes it tougher um but the reason they put in italy they put the the restrictions is freezing the eggs was considered potentially harmful to them they were already fertilized so therefore they're already a person so you couldn't freeze an egg so you had to implant all three and that meant rates of multiples went up and in those rates of multiples that meant maternal mortality went up because these were people who were not compatible with multiples. And again, multiples are already risky in the first place. Even with the best healthcare in the world, they're risky. Um, personhood laws, by their very nature, substantially undermine IVF patients' abilities to make decisions about their care, including even what to do with the frozen embryos. Just the nature of storing them could be considered illegal. So in states where abortion is being outlawed, some clinics are considering moving embryos to other states without the legal questions. Questions such as, do you ship the embryos out of state and then discard them if you have to? Can you even legally do that? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Do you put them in long-term storage forever? Like, we've we've been struggling this. We've got six embryos still frozen. We hope to use them someday, uh, but we're not getting any younger. And so what do we do with those embryos if we decide we can't do them? Well, we're probably going to donate them. Yeah. But if if personhood laws become, those are, those are people. What happens to donation? Does it end up becoming an adoption? Do we have to go through legal ramifications of that? We don't know, right? Yeah. Do you put them in long storage forever, indefinitely, right? And if so, who pays for it? Because, yeah, that's, Do, that's costly. It's costly. It's like 300 bucks a year at, at a cheap end, right? And so do, do parents have to keep paying for that indefinitely? When you sign up for, for IVF, are you signing up for a lifetime of payments? Well, but what happens then even after you die? Do what happens if you die? Are you signing your kids family? up to it? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, or do the do the clinics have to pay for it? Is that just something that they just eat? That's a question we don't have an answer for now. And it's a question that only comes up with personhood laws, right? I, I try on this podcast not to get too political and not to, to uh, push too hard on things. But unfortunately, in this situation, I'm kind of going to have to because here's the the thing in this it's not enough for 
for personhood laws to have cutouts for IVF. Like I said, in Italy, they did cutouts for IVF, but those restrictions made IVF more risky for the people going through it. They made IUI more risky for the people going through it. They made maternal mortality rates go up. They made infant mortality rates go up during it because it's not safe for a lot of those those, those fetuses, those embryos. It's not enough for there just to be a cutout in the law that says, in this situation, it's okay. Because even with cutouts, it's going to recreate, going to create undue hardship on people. The very nature of a personhood law is going to put extra hardship on people already going through the toughest things in their lives. Because it's unfortunately common for women battling infertility to have miscarriages. It's something we didn't yeah. we didn't have to deal with, or at least didn't know we dealt with. We may have, you know, very yeah. early miscarriages, but, I mean, but we don't but know it, we so know we don't it. have so, the. So we don't have that that ability, but it's unfortunately very common. Yeah. Every day on Facebook, I see another story of a person who's uh, been battling for years and had another miscarriage um went through treatments and had a miscarriage and unfortunately since personhood laws have started to go into effect every day i've seen stories of people who were forced to relive that trauma over and over and over again because under personhood laws a miscarriage can trigger an investigation to prove that it wasn't an abortion. That's just crazy. Mm-hmm. These people going through the worst thing in their lives, sometimes repeatedly, have to prove to a, a policeman or a lawyer, an investigator, that what they went through was actually a miscarriage and not not an abortion in disguise. And I don't know how you would... I don't know how you would actually prove that. I don't. I. I That's ultimately part to me. Of the it just pro- seems like a a dead end. On top of that, they could then be denied treatment for the miscarriage because that often includes a medical abortion. They can be forced to carry this no longer viable embryo, zygote, or fetus all the way to term, further risking their own life and future reproductive health. There are stories, you can already read them, in this United States, in states where these laws have already gone into effect, of a person suffering a miscarriage that went to a hospital and the hospital denied them the the medical care that they needed because they were worried about potential legal ramifications. They were worried that even though it was a miscarriage that the the government would come after them um claiming they performed an abortion claiming that it was an illegal abortion it was unnecessary so they turn them away and these people have to carry this as it literally literally decays inside them yeah that it's not okay for there just to be a cutout for IVF. 
it's not okay for them to say this is one situation where it's okay because because there's not just one situation unfortunately IVF and IUI patients especially IUI patients are way more likely to have ectopic pregnancies these are pregnancies that are not viable not viable from day one no amount of of care will ever make these viable they're not even capable of of being extracted and reimplanted these are unviable but still fertilized embryos so under personhood laws they could be forced to die because of this it's not right no it's not right it's not moral it's not just If you want to talk about abortion, you want to talk about the bad thing, that's fine. We can talk about that, right? We can talk about the things that are statistically and scientifically proven to reduce the number of abortions. We can talk about reproductive education, reproductive health education. We can talk about access to reliable and safe birth control. We can talk about all that stuff. But the one thing that has not been shown to actually reduce the number of abortions is making it illegal. And all it comes to, all it does, is end in more women dying. Yeah. And that's why it's it's not okay. It's not, it's not okay to even just cut out and say, hey, in this situation, it's okay. Because then what are, what are we going to do? Well, then you're going to see a situation where doctors make end runs around abortion laws by signing people up for fertility care, um, creating a story of them with fertility care, and then a miscarriage that they then have to abort, Right. Uh, and and maybe they don't do that. Maybe they just deny it. And then we have uh, more and more mothers in bad situations who make the choice to do it in the back alley or travel to another state to do it. There's even a financial side to this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, because in in states where they, even when they make cutouts for uh, IVF on it, it causes the cost for IVF to go up, cost for IUI to go up, because there's more risk involved. There's uh, people traveling in from states where there's not a cutout to do it. IVF is already stupid expensive. Um, and it's stupid expensive here in Nebraska where I live. It's stupid expensive everywhere. But every day I turn on Facebook and I see people saying, well, if you, if you fly to this state... IVF can be cheaper. If you fly to this state, IVF can be cheaper. You gotta be able to fly to that state. <laughs> you gotta be able to fly to that state. But but what happens if if you're in a state that that makes a a, a good cutout for IVF care, right? And you're surrounded by states that don't. All that's gonna do is cause people to start coming to one state and fleeing the other state. That means the reproductive health. Uh, assistance for people in 
the state that has the cutouts gets more expensive because demand has gone up. And the reproductive health assistance for people in the states that have not made cutouts for it gets worse. To the point of doctors even choosing to leave states because they're worried about their own well-being, their own financial well-being. They're worried that they cannot continue to do their job in their state, so they leave. And we've talked about how hard it was for us. We lived three hours away from the nearest clinic. And we had to drive three hours, almost weekly, for months, right, to do our treatment. But what if it wasn't three hours? What if it was five hours? What if it was eight hours away? What if the nearest one was something we had to hop a flight and fly to Dallas for or Chicago yeah. Or California. Is that going to improve the reproductive health of people? Or is it going to make an island in the middle of this country where people like us suffer in silence again because we can't get the treatment that we want? It's not okay. If you're listening to this and you're pro-life but suffering from infertility, then you need to be pro-choice because because that's the only way you can get this. It's the only way this can continue. Personhood laws... They threaten the very foundation of infertility treatment to its core. They threaten it to the point that we will lose access to it. And we will return to the dark ages of fertility treatment. Yeah, that's that's scary. And I, I sit here and I think about it and I think about my four year old downstairs watching TV right now. And I think about how much she's brought to my life because I had the ability to make the choices required to have her and how these choices are being taken away from us under the disguise of it being pro-life when all it will do is create more death and destruction. And that's why we had to talk about this. And it's uncomfortable. And I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable. And I know I made my wife uncomfortable. And she hates when I go off on these rants. Because <laughs> I do it sometimes around her about things. Not just this. Lots of <laughs> things. Lots of things. <laughs> um, but, but it's something that needed to be talked about. And it needs to be shared and continued to talk about. And you need to contact your state representatives and tell them well, that it's not okay it, to just have a cutout. That there's no way to, to do what they are saying they want to do that doesn't end up in more maternal deaths. Well, yeah. And just research because like the whole thing with uh, Roe versus Wade, I thought it was just strictly just abortion. And I didn't realize it was going 
all the way this far. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerning if you're not trying to go through IVF or IUI, but I'm just saying it's it's a lot bigger than than I, what I thought. So I just it's very mm-hmm. important to do research to you know mm-hmm. look up about what what your state's thinking or what they're doing. So in the end, Roe versus Wade was a privacy law. It was a privacy ruling that said that what you do under the consult of your doctor, the decisions you make about your health are nobody else's business but your own. And the repealing of Roe versus Wade is really the rolling back of privacy protections. And it's making it so the decisions that you make, whether it's for your reproductive health, your financial well-being, your uh, sanity, whatever, your life, you no longer have the ability to make those choices in private. And so you need to contact your state representatives. If you're in a state that's already passed a restrictive law, a personhood law, then you need to find a way to fight it. You need to see find, see if there's a local group that's proposing repealing the law, that's fighting it, you need to join. If you're in a state like Nebraska that has not passed a law yet, you need to join groups that are about fighting it. Yeah. You need to talk to your state representatives. You need to help the organizations to keep this going because unfortunately abortion rights is reproduction rights and reproductive rights are the foundation of infertility treatment and we can't have one without the other and so we need to let it be known in studies have shown in the united states overwhelmingly is pro-choice, overwhelmingly. But we need to let it be known. We need to, our state legislators to know it, our, our federal legislation to know it. We can't let this continue on because it's going to lead just to more deaths. On that note, we're going to wrap things up here. I get a little passionate about this, and I apologize, but it's important. It is. Um, But on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Facebook. It's at Infertility Bites on Facebook. You can email us at infertilitybitespodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, although we don't really do a lot on Twitter right now. It's at Infertility Bites. Um, We've got a link. It's going to be in the doobly-doos for this. That's going to be a link tree with all of this information and all that. It's also going to have a link for you to submit your story. Because this story, this show really only works when listeners submit their stories. That's one of the things we founded it on. That's one of the things we'd like to get back to is sharing people's stories on their journeys through infertility. We short, shared ours and we've talked about how sharing our story and going public with our story was the best choice we ever made. Yeah, um, And we think it's the best choice for most people. But we're even able to share it anonymously. But there's a link, and it's just a questionnaire that you can fill out and tell us your story. And let us share your story so more people know. Because 
infertility needs to be talked about. It can't be this hush-hush thing that we hide from people anymore. It can't be this taboo. So in this, it's going to be it's going to be a flow page. It's going to have links to all of the stuff, and there's going to be a link for you to submit your story. And I highly encourage you to do that. But also like, share, and subscribe to this. If you're enjoying the show, a review on whatever platform you listen to it on would be great. They really help other people find the show. And if you're comfortable sharing this on your social media, click that share and share it to your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram or talk about it on TikTok because that helps get the word out on it. But for now, we're going to wrap things up for this week. Um, As always, we're going to send you on with May Your Dreams for Tiny Feet Be Answered Soon. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We're going to let our little scientific miracle send us off with love and kisses. Bye. I love you. Hello. Hello. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.